Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. What a privilege, what a blessing we have to be able to come together through the medium of radio and study God's Word together, to open up His Word, to dig deep into those rich teachings and truths, those guidelines, those promises, those blessings, and yes, also those warnings and those rebukes and judgments. But God's Word has been given to us by our Heavenly Father for our guidance to guide us in the best life that a human being can live with the greatest, best direction, with the greatest hope, and the greatest meaning and purpose that it gives us in our lives. We have the hope of eternal life in heaven. And that's not a wild wish or an unrealistic dream. It is the desire, but coupled with the expectation of its fulfillment. That's real New Testament hope. That's hope from God. We're thankful to be able to be with you each day here in Search the Scriptures. We encourage you to come and be with us in person if you're in the Omaha area each, each week. Our Bible classes begin at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. Our worship begins at 10.30. Our midweek Bible classes begin at 6.30 each Wednesday evening. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. We hope that you can be with us. Now, if you're listening from some other area, then we encourage you to find the Lord's Church, the Church of Christ in your area, and worship and study and grow spiritually with them. We encourage you also to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It'll only take you about one minute. It is free, and it will always be free. Now, we know that many people listen to this program on a daily basis, or at least close to it. Others listen very frequently, but they cannot, because of their busy schedule, be with us every time it, it airs, even though we're on several times each day, Monday through Friday. But through our website, as you sign up for our podcasting, and again, it's always free, we're not after your wallet, we want to help you get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you'll automatically receive Search the Scriptures, our daily radio program, It'll go straight to your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, computer, laptop, tablet, pad, whatever it might be. It will be automatic. And then you can listen when you find the time each day as your busy schedule permits. But you'll also receive a whole lot more. We have a daily, short, about a 13-minute Bible study that we call Today's Bible Class. And that will come to you seven days a week. You also will receive all of our sermons, and many of those are now posted on our website in video format as well as audio format, but you will receive the audio format automatically to your smart device, and a Sunday morning Bible class and a Wednesday night Bible class. In our website, you can also access, again, all kinds of sermons, hundreds literally, and many of those are now posted in video format as well as audio format. And you can also access hundreds of spiritually based, scripturally oriented articles that you can download, read, study through, and grow from spiritually. Well, take advantage. Churchofchrist.com. Again, it's all free. It always will be free. 
we're going to get back into our study at this point, talking about the existence of God. And we're looking at this in sections, or segments, if you want to look at it that way. And we're going to finish up this first section today. Now, we've asked the question, does it make sense to believe in God? Does God really exist? Well, of course, the answer is absolutely, unequivocally, without any doubt, yes. What we're doing in this particular series of studies is we're looking at the facts, the compelling reasons from a logical, analytical perspective for believing in God, for the recognition, the realization of the existence of God. Now, many people would call faith in God, well, unrealistic, a blind leap in the dark. But that's not what real faith is, not according to the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it's not based on just wild dreams. It is based upon substance and evidence. Faith in God is not only reasonable, when we look at the facts from an analytical perspective or a logical reasoning perspective, it is not just reasonable to believe in God, it is compelling. The facts are compelling. Now in this particular section, and, and in this study on the existence of God, we're looking at it from the perspective of logical or analytical reasoning. In this particular section, we're focusing upon the reality of morality. There is a moral law out there that humanity accepts on a widespread, basically undeniable basis. There's a standard of morality. Well, how do you explain morality without God? We've made the point, you can't just look to mankind because if you asked a hundred different people, do you think this is moral? Do you think that's immoral? And you could go down a whole list, a whole line of, uh, or a whole list of questions along that line. They'd give you different answers. Some would say this is moral, and others would say, no, 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 that's immoral. Some would say this is immoral, and others would say, oh, no, 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 that's moral. That's okay. And then you come back in five or ten years and ask the same people the same questions of the same, uh, same situation, and that many of them will change their positions on morality. Well, you see, that's not a standard. That's not a reliable standard of morality. That's not a moral law that you can hang your head on and have confidence in. But there is a basic law of morality, standard of morality, that everybody recognizes and accepts. We all understand that murder is immoral. We all understand that stealing is immoral. That cheating somebody out of their life savings is immoral. We even understand that lying is immoral, even though we break that particular law of morality, <laughs> many of us, on a regular basis, but we still understand that's immoral. Morality requires a moral law giver. And that moral law giver is God. Again, it, it's not left up to us because we're all over the place and our opinions on matters change with the wind. But God is consistent all of the time. He is the moral law giver.
Now, God's law of morality? Oh, yes, we can read about it in specific. Now, it gives us not necessarily every specific tenet of God's moral law, but it certainly gives us the basis for understanding the general, the, the general uh, law or the general standard of morality. We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, this is similar to what we read in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. There is a standard of morality. There is a moral law. God lays it out for us. And these are just a couple of the texts of Scripture that we could look at that talk about specifics. But they don't cover every single specific uh, prohibition by God establishing his moral law. But he gives us examples. And these are some specific examples But then the idea from a more generalized perspective is the unrighteous. Unrighteousness is immoral. God created us with a soul, with that spiritual being within our physical bodies. And in that way, he made us unique from everything else that he created. In that way, God created us in his own image after his likeness. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. God is spirit. We have that spiritual reality or being within us, and that's our soul. And that is the basis of our moral compass that has been inherently designed within us by God that we call a conscience. Yes, our conscience is that moral governor or director or guide in our lives on a daily basis. So Paul says, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such, now he's writing this to Christians in the city of Corinth, in the congregation there, such were some of you. But, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. They changed their lives. They came out of lifestyles of immorality and took up the moral law of God. When we drop down to verse 18, he goes on and he says, flee sexual immorality. We've got a problem with that in our culture, in our nation today. Absolutely no question about it. Sexual immorality is all around us. It's in our face, in fact. Even coming across our television screens and our own homes. But it's everywhere. People today are just commonly accepting living together in sexual immorality outside of the bonds of marriage. They think it's okay. Their parents give it a wink and a nod. It's not okay. It's immoral. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, that is the physical body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who you have, uh, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? 
but you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. We're supposed to be that higher order of beings on this planet in that we do have a soul. We were created in God's image, spiritual beings. And so we need to act like it. We need to live like it. We need to recognize that God has given us a moral law to live by, and he expects us to live by it because we are different. We are superior to the other life forms on this planet. Now, that would bother some people, but that's reality. You go back to Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, and when God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, he said he made us have dominion over everything else that he created upon this earth, all other life forms, because we do have that spiritual essence, because we are different spiritually. We are those higher moral beings. When we look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, the Hebrews writer wrote, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God holds us accountable for our lifestyle. A lot of people, they, they just they don't want to think about accountability before God. So they just put him out of their mind. The idea of the teachings of God's word restricting them or condemning them for some of the things they do, some of the ways they live, their immorality, they don't want to think about that, so they just put it out of their mind. They don't, they don't read the scriptures, and probably they rarely pray to God. They want to keep doing what they want to do. But that's immoral. That violates God's law of morality. And the scriptures here tell us that God will hold us accountable, ultimately. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul said, We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account of the things done in the body, whether good or bad. God will hold us accountable. He will hold us accountable. We need to recognize that because accountability points to the moral law that God has given us in his word. When we look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning with verse 7, the apostle Paul wrote this about that final day of judgment and our accountability before God. He said, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day. Verse 10. Oh my. God will hold us accountable for our immorality if we are not living by his moral law laid out for us 
instructed for us in his scriptures. Now, does your life demonstrate that you recognize God as the moral law giver? Does it? Are you living in such a way that people can see a lifestyle of morality in the way you live? Do you respect God as the moral lawgiver? When we look at Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, the wise man wrote this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. This is a principle that we observe and that probably we experience on a regular basis on a more, maybe we might say, a more common level. Now, let me explain. Have you ever gone someplace where you've never been before? You're driving down the streets? You weren't sure exactly how to get there? What did you do? Did you pull out a map? Did you ask somebody for directions? In our present culture, did you turn to your GPS on your phone, your smartphone? Plot out a course? Well, see, that's good, isn't it? Now, what if you went someplace the first time, and then you went back the second time, and you didn't have any directions? It was all in your head. You thought you remembered how to get there, and so you started out. And somewhere along the line, you made a turn that you thought was the correct turn to get you to your destination, uh, but it was not. <laughs> well, you felt good about it emotionally, didn't you? Instinctively, you thought, well, this I'm going the right way. But it turned out to be wrong. Well, we're talking about simply a rather common or trite example of the principle that Solomon lays out in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. How many people think they're going down a pathway through life that they think, well, that's okay, spiritually I'm all right, I'm good with God, I believe in him, but they're not living by his teachings faithfully and consistently. But it seems right to them, but they're not really into the scriptures there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of destruction. We need to know what God's word says so that we can live faithfully and accurately by God's word. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus laid out this basic principle in, in different kind of terms. He used a different kind of imagery. He said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. He's talking about the only two possible pathways through life. One is the way that leads to eternal life in heaven. That way is the way of truth, and truth is narrow. Jesus said in John 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But truth is always narrow. That way is straight and narrow. 
but it leads to eternal life in heaven. The other way is uh, no holds barred. Do whatever you want. But it's the way that leads to eternal condemnation in hell. Which pathway are you taking? Which pathway? The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, he's writing this to Christians within the, content, within the congregation in Corinth. They had been slaves of sin before they became Christians, before they were baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, but you weren't living a righteous life. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? In other words, that old life of sinfulness. For the end of those things is death. That is eternal separation from God. We read about that back in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. Eternally separated from the glory of God and his power. That's hell. Verse 22, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now there's the contrast between two lifestyles. One is sinful. It leads to eternal condemnation in hell. The other is moral. It is righteous. It follows God's teachings. And that leads to eternal life in heaven. I want to look at one more text of Scripture. That is Romans chapter 6, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I want to read verses 10 and 11. Notice what the Apostle Paul wrote. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Do you need to be clear before God? Do you need to be forgiven? Contact us through our website at churchofchrist.com. Click on the email link and ask us for a free Bible study or for a free copy of this series of lessons. We want to help you. You can call us at 402-498-8397. 402-498-8397. Recognize and then live by the moral law of God, the moral lawgiver. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, please we pray for your forgiveness, for your guidance. We pray, Father, help us to understand and embrace and live by your moral law, the best life that we can live. Again, please forgive us. Gracious Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.